welcome back to the Grow With Me podcast, a podcast by small business for small businesses. Thanks for joining us for episode three. It is slightly different today than maybe what we are used to, but hopefully really insightful nonetheless. You will notice that we are indeed guestless this time around. So let's hope half an hour or so of me nattering on about small business finances, investments and all that number related stuff doesn't bore you half to death. But then if all else fails, we now know what not to do next time. So let's see how this solo episode goes. Before we begin the meat of the episode, I want to thank those of you who have reached out to let me know their interest in joining me for a session. I really do appreciate it and will, of course, get back to each and every one as and when there is a good time to add that particular insight or that subject or that expertise to the lineup. Don't forget, you don't have to just contact me for this purpose, though. I am interested to hear what questions you have, funny stories about your time so far in business. This might lighten up the podcast cast a little and obviously let other entrepreneurs know that what they are experiencing is entirely normal. You can get in touch with me via email helloandgrow at gmail.com or you can send me a message on Instagram at growwithme.podcast. I also just want to plug the fact that if you love what you hear today or do find it super helpful, enough to want to tell other people about it, then please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. This helps so much with us getting in front of the search and obviously showing up for people and it means we get to reach more entrepreneurs like you and I who are maybe just entering the world of business. So today we are going to be talking all things money and I just wanted to add a little caveat before we move forward in this conversation that I am in no way a financial advisor or qualified as one and this is purely anecdotal and sharing with you some of the things that I have personally learned about business finances, different ways you can achieve capital as a bootstrapping startup and so obviously please be responsible leaving today's episode. This can be a sticky topic, a secretive topic actually. Not many entrepreneurs or at least the ones who haven't really made it yet. You hear this a lot from the sort of multi-millionaire and billionaire types. Um, But yeah, at least those who haven't quite made it yet, they tend to treat talking money like discussing your wage with other employees or with your friends. It's all cards close to the chest and dirty, dirty money. And that in itself is a mindset, especially for UK listeners, money or the constant of earning money has quite a lot of culturally negative connotations Um, and I've certainly been under that press for most of my life until I started to realise how those negative connotations that I was circling around my own head were actually projecting it out into the world and so bad negative money related energy kept hurling its way straight back at me Um, and it wasn't really until I made a conscious effort to change that inner dialogue and that narrative to see money as energy, an exchange of energy between people and things that I realised there's not a lot dirty about it at all. I have this idea, though, that lots of small businesses, particularly female-led business, have this dirty money mindset. We aren't really raised to know how to get money, how to ask for the right amount of money for the work that we do, or talk openly about how money affects our lives and the decisions that we can make with it. 
So I have a little anecdote for you and I think it will just help explain a bit more about me as a founder, as a person, because feminism plays quite a huge role in our relationship with money and ultimately as a female founder, which I know many of you, if not most of you listening are, finding securing money starts with your relationship and your mindset to it. I was working in healthcare at the time and it's a notoriously underpaid job if any of you listening have worked within that that industry. I had worked right through the ranks from sort of the lowest wage possible at 24 earning 317 an hour as an apprentice. I went to retrain quite late. And this was 2012, so it's not that long ago to take in sort of every course that they would throw at me just so that I could earn an extra 50p here or an extra pound an hour here and there. And I think after five years, I was starting to get a little hacked off with the financial situation that all of us who were in that same job were dealing with. Um, Wages were very secretive. We were not allowed to discuss money. I was approaching 27 and I was starting to think that the only real reason an employer wants no transparency around wages is because either A, the pay system isn't fair or accurate, B, they are purposely undervaluing certain workers or C, they can't afford to pay the correct wage to all of the employees they've actually employed. So instead, they work on a case by case basis with no real explanation or structure. And I think there was all three going down. And honestly, it didn't feel right that the wages were such a taboo to me. And it still doesn't, to be honest with you. A lot of the workers there would feel undervalued a lot, but wouldn't really dare to walk in and discuss money with the powers that be. And I'm sure by now you can guess that we were all women and inherently women don't ask for pay rises or even feel like they deserve them in the first place. And this is a statistic, not just an observation. So I set about to try and at least change the attitude and set the standard within that workplace. I did walk in the office and ask for pay rises a few times. The key I felt was to demonstrate the reason why you are worth it, what you have done and will continue to do for that business and set a rate in mind that you would be happy to agree on and settle on. I tried and failed many times to get the other women to adopt this notion. Some managed to pluck up the courage. Others continued to feel undervalued throughout my course um, and my time there. My mindset to money had changed. It wasn't wrong of me to ask for what I'm worth. It wasn't wrong of me to tell the others what I had personally asked for and and why I had asked for it. In fact, when I left, I made sure that they all knew what I had managed to get because to me, they deserve to know the standard and transparency is a quality that I have taken forward into my own business, knowing what not having it looks like and the kind of negative culture that it can create within a small business. So money is energy. It isn't bad to want to earn it. It isn't bad to want to get lots of it. And it isn't bad to want to spend it. And it certainly isn't bad to talk about it. And that's what we are going to do today. We are going to talk actual figures, actual goals, so you can understand exactly how much money is needed for you to grow your business to where you want it to go. Because how can you possibly know what you need if you don't know what is possible? 
So once you've worked on mindset and I think, you know, if you kind of from listening to this podcast, you realize that maybe you have a bit of a negative money mindset because it's not until it was when I was reading lots of books that I began to realize I personally had a really negative relationship with money. So it wasn't until somebody else pointed it out that I realized that 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 was in fact me. So I would recommend if you go away from today's episode and think that maybe you personally have a bit of a negative relationship with money, go away and do this work. It will serve you well. So once you have worked on that mindset and are projecting a growth abundance mindset, that you, then you are effectively ready to start receiving from the universe. And I truly believe only when you are on that abundant frequency can you be truly open to receiving everything that you need for your business to develop and grow. And I believe that because I've seen it for my own business. Um, I've seen what this mindset change has done for me. I am going to take you back now to March 2020 and give you a brief background on my business and, and what we started with, where we are now, and then we can kind of talk about how you can take steps that I did and apply them to your own business needs. And each business is different and requires different things, of course. The Scent Coven is my brand, for those of you who don't know, and this is a cheeky little plug here. It's uh, www.thescentcoven.com or Instagram at The Scent Coven. So if you've joined us away from my business page and you've just found me through search, and this this is my brand. We are a luxury gothic home fragrance company. We are handmade, vegan, cruelty free and are just about to expand into bath, body and perfumery for 2022. We started testing our products early 2020 and we started with £300 from my pocket with a further £300 investment from my mother-in-law, which was designated specifically for packaging. Um, so we had a grand total of 600 quid to launch the business and anyone with a handmade business will tell you that is definitely not a lot of money, but we made it work initially anyway. We purposely launched a really limited range so that we could basically test the brand on the market, test the products and see how people responded to us before investing heavily in expanding our range and creating more bespoke products that were more in line with who we wanted to be as a brand. And it became apparent quite quickly that a lot of our manufacturing process were broken that we didn't have enough capital and that at some point we would have to raise capital in order to grow in the direction that we wanted we were not going to be able to bootstrap it entirely just purely off organic audience so how do you go from a 600 pound cash investment with your own savings to turning over six figures by 18 months in and it is possible it's really really possible actually but you just have to be keyed into what your business needs and when which is why you as the founder have to really listen to the needs of your business above listening to anyone else and their journey what we need and what you need are two very different things so definitely keep this in mind when planning your next move don't be tempted just because a friend's business opened a store space or started working markets or launched a new line. It's very tempting to adapt this to keep up with the Joneses mindset. But if you aren't factoring in your own business needs and your journey, first and foremost, then some of those things may be way off course for you and stop reaching where you actually need to go. So always, always look forward at your own business goals. The first step for us was restructuring the manufacturing process as quickly as possible. And honestly, the first 
six months were mostly putting out fires and fixing processes that were clearly broken with the level of demand that we were seeing. One of the key things I would say to you is don't overthink and just do. And if I ever thought any of my decisions within this business, we, we wouldn't be here today. And so fires can always be put out. If it feels right, do it and pivot later. Just trust that innate instinct that we are, are all born with. We were mostly desperate to settle into the gap that we found in the market and fill it with us as quickly as possible. And this meant we needed speed. We needed some element of speed and not everybody, not every business needs that, but we did. We needed a product drop after product drop. And to do that, we had to adopt a partial pre-sale model Pre-saling allowed us to reap in the sales, use the funds from pre-sale to manufacture, and this allowed small businesses with no capital to do really special things without masses of initial investment. I didn't hand over my day job for the entire first year of business. Every launch, every pre-sale, we used those funds to invest back into the business and make much needed improvements. We needed machines, we needed mass moulds, better packaging, basically everything needed to be levelled up. And I wanted by year two to be in a position where we could cope with demand and start to consider scaling. I can't advise enough how important setting goals like this is. It will keep you focused. It will keep you on your what your sole goal is and it will keep that at the forefront of your decision making. Ours was get our manufacturing stable enough, proficient enough to run ads in year two. We know this system is going to break with ads. We know we are going to crash and have to pivot, but you almost can't grow beyond that without crashing. So in true entrepreneurial style, we are going full steam ahead into year two with a kind of crash the system mentality and build what the system needs thereafter. And maybe some people might think that's bonkers, and might think, why aren't you playing it a little bit more safe? But without masses of capital to hire staff before the storm, there is little other option that we have. I am the only maker in my business. There is only so much I can do with organic traffic. So the minute that ads hit us and we start seeing too much demand, the system we currently have that works and flows isn't going to work. But we don't have the capital up front now to hire lots of staff, train lots of staff and have them ready for that inevitable crash point so there is going to come a point that this system doesn't work so it is kind of a fuck it up and hire later when we know what we are dealing with kind of attitude so it's feel the fear and do it anyway as the saying goes you know what our year has looked like and where we started and what we started with like any small business, we have had lots of challenges, lots of learning curves, but it has made us stronger as a business. Um, and it's made us a business who can problem solve, who can pivot at the drop of a hat and take on more than we probably ever thought we could. So by October 2020, I knew we needed investment. Even with the pre-sale model, we weren't going to be able to generate enough organic traffic sales to run efficient ads. And ultimately, that was affecting that year two goal that I told you about initially. So everything leads back to knowing what your focus is. Now, like most of you, no doubt, I had no idea what this side of business was. I had no financial training of any kind. I still don't. Like everything else in business, I learned it through reading blogs, uh, books, listening to podcasts, and investments was going to be absolutely no different to everything else that I've learned so far. So initially, I had it from a friend that PayPal were offering working capital loans. 
It seemed a fairly reasonable solution to a short-term cash flow issue while we needed to invest in bulk purchase of glassware, oils, other raw materials. So the demand was there, but the inventory wasn't. And so we were constantly going out of stock, which ultimately limited the actual sales we could potentially reach. The first problem to solve now was getting inventory stock to a point where going out of stock takes a lot of traffic, not a whiff of one sale throwing us you know, out of stock every five minutes. I would be declined immediately most times um, for this PayPal capital working loan. There are lots of ins and outs as to how PayPal make credit decisions, but mostly our figures had been really skewed around Christmas time, really high, and then nothing for the remainder of December because we shut the shop for a month simply because we couldn't cope with that demand that I was speaking about. Um, So we couldn't keep it open. Another system failure that we had at the time. So I knew our figures would stabilise out. So I just kept applying every single day until finally some months, five months later, actually, we got accepted. And it was purely because of those skewed results around December, January time. PayPal liked to see um, payments coming in and out that are very stable. So even if you get a massive influx of sales, that can actually affect whether they will give you a loan or not, despite there being a lot more funds in the account. But during that time, I was actually looking for much bigger angel investments away from the small sort of um, high repayment loan system that PayPal were offering. I knew we needed a pot of money to play with for running effective ads. That pot of money needed to be more than a couple of thousand, which can be sunk pretty quickly. And so there's a one-off PayPal capital loans with pretty high repayment rates. We're not going to cut it. For those of you like me who are totally new to this, angel investment is usually a high net worth individual who provides financial backing for small startups or entrepreneurs. They typically, um, in exchange for ownership equity in the company, loan you the money. So as opposed to a loan where you pay back typically high rate of interest over a short period, the funds that angel investors provide may be a one-time investment to help the business get off the ground or an ongoing cash injection to support and carry the company through its early development stages. Angel investments are risky for the investor, not for for the business, and typically make up no more than 10% of an angel investor's portfolio due to the high risk associated by taking a punt on a small business. So we knew we had a fight on our hands to prove ourselves worthy of this kind of investment. So where do you even start in finding these people? Um, Obviously, that's the question on everyone's lips. And after a quick Google search, I came across a number of angel investment platforms, But most of them were looking for a good 10k a month turnover and we were definitely not hitting that just yet. So undeterred, and I say this now, be completely undeterred. Do not give up at the first sign of a hurdle, especially with investments. I was undeterred by this finding and continued my search when I came across Clearbank, an investment funding platform with no real threshold, just an evidence-based judgment on how your business is performing. So it was a total revelation to me and I applied immediately at like 2am in the morning. Um, There was a lot of information to fill out online. They wanted access to our Shopify, to our banking, to our proof of incorporation, etc, etc. But then when we were in pending application status from around November, I 
waited and I waited and nothing. I emailed the team to chase them and was advised that they were waiting for, I think it was 120 days of data to be in the system before an approval for funding could be made. So I set a timeline out and worked out exactly where my 120 days was and I kept watch like an absolute hawk for that entire time. 120 days came and went and still absolutely nothing. I chased Remember me telling you to be relentless and to be undeterred in your pursuit of what you need. This time they needed to look deeper at the account at some technical issues to work out why the system wasn't generating as an offer. It's an automated system. So time went on and now we were steaming full steam ahead into March and knowing I didn't want 12 months of no funding as this would basically stuff up our entire year two strategy, I chased it again for a third and a fourth time. This time they came back and they explained that they wanted us to apply for their brand new angel investment programme. Instead, Clear Angel, they were just rolling it out and they were looking for the next cohort of companies for April to invest in. Usually about 500 apply and about 30 in each cohort make it. So I was all in and despite the odds, I was going to make this happen no matter what. After logging into the new platform with the referral key from the Clear Bank team, and this is for the Clear Angel program, not their initial program that we applied for, um, we were away with this new application and days went by. We were invited to a conference call to discuss how the program works. By the end of the slides, I knew that this was the opportunity that we needed. And like a dog with a bone, I wasn't leaving without getting an investment. So there were caveats to this investment. And there always is, of course. Make sure you read the fine print, the terms and conditions, the paperwork. But we would need to change banks to their new, brand new online banking platform that was entirely new to their, their whole system in order to access the funding. And of course, I treated that as no issue. I'm happy to change over to that bank. They were offering £20,000 in five 4K payments, each with their own caveat in order to unlock the funding. So yep, I'm here for the unlock challenge. Uh, I had the sort of watch how quick I can go and unlock it mindset. <laughs> Um, and finally, they were offering the funds for 4% of sales for four years, where the agreement would come to an end. So I was pretty boggled. I didn't have to give away any equity in my business in order to access the funding. So just 4% of sales, I was completely sold on that. Now we just had to convince them that we were worth investing in and that they could make back way more than their 20k that they had initially invested some four years prior and if we can show them that then we of course get a place out of those 30. So that is the gist of how we came to secure an angel investment with Clear Angel. We were indeed accepted and we are now fully funded by Clear Angel. It has taken a lot of tenacity, a lot of chasing and I'm pretty sure me keep emailing and keep banging on the door and keep constantly watching and basically driving driving them insane for them to pass me onto the angel investment program. I really don't think we would be funded today if I took that first few attempts as a no. Um, so if you take anything away from this episode today is that the help is out there, but you do have to ask for it. It is really, really unlikely anyone is going to come out and offer out of their wallet and suggest themselves as an investor. You have to demonstrate your best foot forward and show them what you can do. And a lot of this stems from that belief and mindset that your business and you 
are investable. So it comes back to that money and that growth mindset. You hear it a lot from investors talk about investing in people, in the entrepreneur, as opposed to just an idea or a business. They want to know you want it more than anyone else wants it. They want to see the drive, the hunger to succeed, because if you aren't hungry without money, then you aren't going to be hungry with the money, with their money. Um, And that's, of course, bad for business and seeing a return on their investment, which I already explained, you know, it, it is a high risk for them in the first instance to take a punt on a small business. There are no guarantees they're even going to see their 10,000, their 15,000 pounds back, never mind, make a return on it. The beauty of Clear Angel is that all of the investment decision making is done by proof. There are no pitches. I didn't have to pitch and sell a thing, which obviously will will terrify some people. A lot of small business startups, and I know a lot of you listening are creative businesses. Um, you know, you're not the boardroom type. You're not the type that have delivered masses of presentations. Um, and so that would be an extremely scary thing to do. Well, with Clear Angel... It's purely done by proof. They see numbers, traffic, money going in and coming out. And that data was monitored for a period of time before graphs and stats were produced and a decision was reached based off those organic sales. And I absolutely love this method because there's no sales pitch or having to sell your soul to secure the deal. The proof is in the pudding and you can't lie your way around it and you can't beef things up. The numbers don't lie. It's there cold hard data and even with two months of no sales due to our store closures last year I wasn't grilled about it in fact I spun it in my favor because we closed due to demand and of a lack of inventory which ultimately is what we needed the funding for in the first place so they could literally see the issue in front of their eyes and how their investment will help turn those issues around. It is worth mentioning one other capital loan stream for those of you who are Shopify users. When you reach a certain threshold set by Shopify with your store and your sales, they begin to offer something called Shopify capital loans. Generally, they offer a few options in line with your sales on your store with varying repayment terms. So again, you don't need to pitch for it. They're purely using the data that your store provides to generate offers. Generally, they offer a few options in line with the sales of your store and with uh, varying repayment terms. As I said, they provide you with a cash injection for your business, save for inventory, acquiring a studio space, tools or for ad spend, whatever you and your business need and take a payment each day, which is a percentage of your sales. So, for example, 10% of daily Shopify sales will go back to repaying the loan. It is worth remembering that these are loans, just like any bank loan in that respect, and you would be advised to read all of the terms and conditions of the loan, along with making sure that the repayments are actually achievable for the business over the loan repayment term that they are offering. Once the Shopify capital loan is repaid, they will likely offer you new products. And so the cycle of the capital loan begins again if you need it to. I think it is, again, a wonderful product for businesses to use. Albeit, it it, it is a much higher repayment rate than, say, the Clear Angel investment. Some are as much as 20%, which is much, much higher. And with Angel investment, 
I am only promised to repay the loan itself with no promises that the investor will make more, which is why it's such a risky investment for them in the first place. Capital loans already have a pre-agreed loan rate on top of your loan, which could be over a thousand pounds. So it is worth remembering it is a much more costly way to borrow capital for the business. But if it works for your model and you need that big lump sum cash injection, then the option is there with Shopify once you hit that threshold. So what has the investment done so far? Well, inventory was was first. We needed to get in a position where we could bulk purchase glassware or raw materials like oils and wax, wholesale packaging, machinery to speed up production and effectively become more efficient. The business I run is very labour intensive and I would assume a lot of creative businesses listening are in a similar, similar sort of position. And if you aren't careful and without considering your efficiency and how to remove processes that are a time waster or that can be done better by a machine for example then you aren't necessarily using the money wisely i opted to upgrade our melters because i needed to cut out wax melting time on a daily basis the time spent melting wax each each day was a waste of production time um, i needed to melt larger vats of wax also than i couldn't currently so halfway through pouring a session i would need to top up and remelt wasting even more valuable production time the founder needs to start removing themselves from these kind of time wasting processes where time is not best spent as quickly as possible. My time is not best spent melting wax for one and a half hours or having to stop production to melt more. Now, I don't have to now that I've invested in these new machines. My melters are on 24-7. I top up overnight and it's set to a temperature literally ready to mix the moment I decant it out the machine. So I've saved probably two hours a day on nonsense. Um, time is money. And if I'm paying myself a wage, work out what your rate is and why you are even willing to pay yourself for those times that are not productive. So this was an easy decision to make and the best one that we made, you know, for me start start looking at um, where your time is being wasted in the business and think about what solution is out there in order to get that time back and be used elsewhere either in actual production or you know time spent doing the admin side of things that have to be done because you are the only person within your business able to do it at this time after inventory, we were granted an opportunity to open a physical store space for those of you who do know us for a really competitive rental rate and a low risk six month contract. So after weighing it up, we needed to increase our income streams. So we'd solved issues with time wasting and we'd been able to invest in inventory. And now it was working out various income streams that were not solely reliant on our Instagram traffic. So an unmanned store in a market space full of our kind of people with a low risk uh, attached to it seemed a really sensible and a calculated risk move. The cost of setting up was substantially more than I had considered, with almost 8k worth of stock actually sat on shelves, which we had never, we had never done that before. So this will come back to solving issue number one, inventory. There is no way we could have stocked our own space without this investment for inventory. And then lastly, ads. We started this episode with our year two game plan for ads, and that is exactly whereabouts we are right now. We are on target and are heading in the right direction to start running those effective ads. 
So after my spiel about investments and how I have personally navigated this world without so much as a a shred of financial or business training, you can absolutely do it for your business. The key here is to know what you really, really need it for. Not everyone will need to. Some businesses bootstrap the entire journey and do it really well. I could think of a candle brand I've followed for a fair while now with huge amounts of success, turning over $1 million in their first year from a pre-sale model alone. No capital loans, no angel investors, simply bootstrapping. So I told you that the pre-sale model works when it's implemented really, really well, and they've had fantastic success off the back of that. The fact is, there is no one set way to create a successful business. It is about figuring out your path and what you need to do to reach the goal that you have in mind. If you haven't yet figured out what your end goal is, I urge you to leave today to start figuring that out. It's really, really important. How can you possibly make huge decisions about your business, including finances, without knowing where you are actually heading? Do you dream of owning your own store or cafe or beauty business, for example? Do you dream of being a leading brand on all the supermarket shelves. The dreams are different. So the steps to get there are very different. So ultimately, what you need is going to be very, very different from the brand sat next to you or for your friend's company. I urge you to dream big, though, like really, really, really big. And the reason is because a a lot of it is a lot more attainable than you can possibly imagine. Really, all you do need is a goal, a strategy and the tenacity to chase it down every single chance you get. Those are the businesses who win. And seeing it as no's are not no's forever, it's just a no right now. And, you know, not being deterred or put off by those no's and thinking that it becomes impossible. I hope this episode, however different from previous, has inspired you to go after what your business needs to be able to reach its full potential. If you, like me, are female founded, then start working on that negative money mindset and understand that you, your business and your ideas are worthy. They're worthy of sales, they're worthy of customers and of investment. And only then will you find it within yourself to go out there and get it. That's it from me this week. Um, Remember to be sensible with your business finances. If in doubt and you don't understand the paperwork that is being delivered to you, whether that's paperwork and capital, whether it's Shopify loans, or whether you have managed to secure that angel investment and you're not quite understanding what those terms are, you must seek financial advice and always, always be cautious taking on too many loan streams without having a very clear idea how your business is going to pay it back. So just bear that in mind when you are taking on board any of these new streams, especially if you're like me and it's extremely new territory to you. I will be back in another fortnight. It will be with a new guest this time, not just me. But if you liked what you heard, then please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Keep an eye on the Instagram at growwithme.podcast for that next guest announcement. And as always, thanks for listening and goodbye. Grow With Me is created, hosted and written by Jessica Messenger. All sound design and editing is created by Liam Banks with original music written by Modern Coven from the track Curses. You can find original music by Modern Coven on iTunes and Spotify. Special thanks to all of our guests and their contribution to the show. You can find out more on our Instagram at growwithme.podcast.